Hey there, you're welcome to Founders Connect, a show where I have conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and operators in Africa. This is the right show for you to be listening to if you love behind the scenes stories about people, their careers, and not your businesses. My name is Pissy Timmy, and I'm very, very, very delighted to be your host. You can follow this conversation on social media, hashtag Founders Connect. You can watch the video of each episode on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect on YouTube to find the playlist. Also, please share this podcast, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a rating, and you know, share it, hashtag Founders Connect. Enjoy the episode. We've done about six episodes of the Founder Connect. I've spoken with Nadai of Eden Life, spoken with Ezra of Paystack, Yinka of Kudi, Tosin of Money Africa. Now, this is another new episode. And in this episode, I'm going to be speaking one of the leading founders of a leading startup in Nigeria. And I think actually Africa. He's been doing this for almost 10 years. Like, so a lot of startups we've spoken with have been around for two, three, four, five years. This is someone who has been doing startup for almost nine years, since 2012. Ladies and gentlemen of the Pisitimi crew, please welcome Chijoke Doze, the co-founder, CEO of Carbon. Hi, Chijoke. Hi, Peace. How are you doing today? Great, especially after that introduction. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really great to meet you. It's really great to also be here. It feels like it's an honor to speak with you. you. And I can't wait to learn a lot from you and about you on the company. It's all for me to be here as well. Awesome. So this interview, like, like I said, I want to learn about you mm-hmm. and I want to learn about the company. So my first question is about you. People know of Carbon and they know of Chijoke, Dozi and Ungozi, right? They know about the founders and you have a very popular, reputable surname, but nobody really knows you. You're not one of those startup founders that are kind of like everywhere, tech bro. So tell me five things about you. That is not carbon related. Okay, five things about me. I'm one of five boys. Okay. I'm the fifth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm I'm married. Mosey and I, my co-founder, I used to hate each other when we were growing up. So we're like, he's number four, I'm number five, and uh. we, we were always at each other. So it's it's funny that now we are working closely together for over twelve years. So is that five things? That's yeah. three. Three? <laughs> no, that's four. four. One more. Um, and uh, wow, um, I like to travel. Okay, so that brings me to my next question. What are five of your favorite things? Um, well, travel is one. Yeah. Um, PlayStation okay. is, is, is another. Um, Did I like you get PlayStation 5 for Valentine's Day? My, my, my wife got me a PlayStation for, my, for Christmas, which is amazing. Nice. Yeah, PS5, yeah. One of the lucky few. I know, right? <laughs> you know, and um, no, she's great. And um, I like to, I like to read a lot. Okay. And um, one other thing is I like doing things that push me out of my comfort zone. I hate doing it initially, but then I like, so like for instance, I climbed Kilimanjaro. Um, I hated it. I hated the whole process of it. Uh, but you know, on the way down, I was like, yeah, you know, I did it, I did it. So, so yeah, so that's, um, and what else? Um, I hate cats. Oh, I hate cats. Ezra likes cats. He does. He does. As mm. I don't get it. He <laughs> practically lives with cats. I, I don't yeah. think I can step into his house. <laughs> I expected you to say one thing that you like coffee. 
Yeah, I love coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah that, uh, that's a given, right? You know, I, I think it's a given. Yeah, I, I do like coffee a lot. Okay, cool. So what is your fondest memory growing up? Um, my fondest memory growing up is, you know, when I went to London for the first time. Apparently, my mother keeps on repeating this story. You know, I went into a, a shopping mall like the first time, and this is like I won't give you tell them well, it was the 80s, so um, <laughs> I'm gonna age myself. But apparently, I got lost. Like she lost me, um, and she sent Ngozi to find me. And when Ngozi found me, we were in front of a, a bookstore called W. H. Smith. I was just there staring at the window. Ngozi just started staring at the window, <laughs> and then she lost two of her sons. So she had to. So that was that was very funny. Um, just you know. <laughs> That's interesting. How did she make a venture to find you guys? She had to go around the she mall. She had to go around. She had to, you know, call like, you know, two, looking for two books. What were you guys staring at? Books. Oh. I mean, like, you know, I mean, what do we have in Nigeria at the time? We had Falomo Shopping Center, where oh, you guys are really aging me now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what you're talking exactly. about. So we had all these, you know, you didn't, you didn't have like a lot of retail, like, mm. like in Nigeria at the time. So when you were in this shopping mall, seeing everything like toys, books, and it's all full of color. I was just like lost. So amazing. Okay, so um, you studied economics and a bit of finance, and then an MBA. Did you have before you actually before you and Ngozi founded Carbon? Did you think that you know doing a digital bank or a fintech company in Nigeria was inevitable? Like before you started it, did you always feel like that's something I'm going to do at some point? No, no, we didn't. I mean, you know, we I knew that I wanted to do something in finance. So when I was in when I was working in New York, there was a company we had looked at. It was a sort of a, a consumer lender. And it was started, I was like 24, 25 at the time. And the owners were two young South African guys who were in there, like 32. And we were looking at investing in the business my company was at the time. So I had to fly with them to Zambia, fly with them to Ghana. I just thought, these guys are so young and look, they're doing so well. And I just loved the idea. Um, and I knew that that's one of the things I wanted to do. And I think, you know, if I was really honest, I think that's what I wanted to do even before going to business school. But I was always worried about, oh, I need a backup. What if that fails? You know, I need to show people that I, that I am, you know, employable. So let me get an MBA. But <laughs> in the end, I mean, maybe I should have gone straight, straight into to do it. But that's what, what I wanted to do. That's what you wanted to do. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm going to ask um, how Carbon started. But before that, the one question I want to ask is, so I feel like, in, for people, there are different moments in our lives that are very defining, right? Um, something happened. For me, it was being a Google Center ambassador when I was 19 and I was the first in my university. And that just changed my path from medical to digital marketing, right? So I feel like for people, there are different moments, one, two, three moments in your lives that if something had not happened, maybe you wouldn't be where you are right now. Can you think of any one or two or three? So I think how I got my first job was a pivotal moment because you know, I finished my master's and for almost a year I was looking for jobs and, you know, sending letters and, you know, I was actually getting excited when I get a rejection letter because, <laughs> because you know, back then you'd only send a, an email to a, you, they wouldn't have a name, so it wouldn't be like, please eat me at firstbank.com, it's like recruitment at firstbank.com. So if I got a rejection, and let's say it was from you at First Bank, I'd be like, great, her name is PC Timmy. Let me go and send her another email, like, why you should hire me. Um, so after a year, and, I, and this is after master's, I just said, you know what, I'm going to learn a language. Um, so I actually said, I'm going to learn Spanish, and then I'm going to carry on with my French. 
So a friend of mine um, who's still you know, in Lagos, he actually got me a job in Paris. So the deal was if I had, um, if by the time I finished my French um, lessons, I would have a private equity job in Paris. Um, and so I said, great, this is amazing. So I remember I had a party for my friends in London at the time. It was like my going away present. I already got my Spanish student visa. Um, so I was going. And that Saturday morning when the party was about to start, I got a call from my, the, my future employer to say, if you want a job in New York, come and get it. And I was just like, wow. Like, you know, so, uh, and I took it. And I think, you know, my life would have been, I think that's one of those defining moments because it was, I probably would have been able to speak French fluently, um, probably speak Spanish because it was nine months in Spanish. And I'd probably, I don't know, maybe in a, maybe still in finance versus, you know, this was a private equity job, it was very entrepreneurial. Um, I mean, you know, this guy, he's my, my first boss, he's my mentor, he wrote my, um, he invested in our, one of our first companies, even when Ingos and I started. Um, he's actually an investor in carbon to this day. So it, it's sort of like, if I didn't take that route, um, I don't know, maybe I'd still be in, in London or Paris, you know, working for a financial institution. So I think that was, that was a defining moment. Really defining moment. Thank you yeah. for sharing. So how did Carbon start and why? So again, you know, it was, Carbon started in 2012 and, you know, we, Ingalls and I still wanted to do this uh, financial services business. We felt that, you know, access to credit um, was, you know, a huge concern in Nigeria. So this is, you know, in 2003, when I was in, pri in private equity, I had seen a company, similar company, in in South Africa, and we said, okay, let's do that in Nigeria because you know, it's hard to imagine now because there's so many fintech players. But think about in 2012, tw 2012 yeah. where would you get a loan from? Yeah. You know, you'd have to go into your bank, um, and if you're take a 24-year-old now, you know, if she wanted to get a loan in 2012, I mean, it's probably non-existent, and we. So we actually did it ourselves. So at the time we were running, I was running um, Mr. Biggs, um, all the Mr. Biggs on mobile petrol stations. Oh, okay. And so we're bringing a lot of cash. So I called my bankers and said, can I get a loan? Can I get like a 300,000 naira loan? And you know, he laughed <laughs> and he said, well, take it from, your, from your, your company. I said, well, that's not good governance. You know, give me a personal loan. Yeah. So he said, okay, I'll get back to you. And in two weeks time, I called him again. I said, how far, where's, where's the loan? He said, okay, look, we'll give it to you, but you, know, you have to write a personal guarantee. And at the time, we were, bringing, we were putting in about 7 million naira a day in cash. And they said, look, if it takes four weeks for someone like me to get a loan, imagine somebody who works in just you know, any old firm. You know, would, they be, would they have access? So we said, okay, let's do it. You know, and, and that's how we started. We started, it was called One Credit at the time. Um, and then from one credit, we I think we changed our name quite a lot of times. Okay, <laughs> one credit to one finance, and then to to pay later. Yeah. So that's credit. actually my next question. I was going to say that a lot of people think that carbon started from pay later, mm. but it actually started with one credit. Um, so from one credit to one fire, one fire acquired Amplify, then pay later, then carbon. So I assume that from every point that the brand name changed, it was because there was going to be a pivot mm. in the product. So can you tell us about the pivot from one credit to one fire, one fire to Pilita, Pilita to Carbon? So one credit to one fire is actually a boring story. It, it was the fact that we created one credit, but then we needed to get regulated. Right. Um, and, and CBN rules is that they will not 
give a license to an existing company. So we changed, had to, we had to get the license, we had to call ourselves One Finance. It was the closest thing to One Credit. Um, and then, so that was, that was just an issue. So Pay Later started in, it was supposed to be a product of One Finance. So we were trying to do this, uh, it's a product called Buy Now, Pay Later. Um, so in Europe, you have a company called Klana, where if you want to buy stuff on e-commerce sites, what they'll do is they'll pay for you on your behalf and then collect the money from you. So like from, Alipay? Yes. So the whole idea is that it's a service to the e-commerce site. So we went to Conga and Jimmy and said, look, why don't we pay on behalf of your customers? We'll pay you and, and we'll collect from them. So just give us a, a, a fee. Um, so, but then they were like, no, um, there's, there's not enough margin for us to share with you. So we shelved that. Then when we, we wanted to move to the digital platform, we resu res resurrected the name Pay Later because we already had the brand. So we said, let's, let's just do Pay Later. And it also, it, it made sense for what we wanted. You know, borrow, you know, at the time was 30,000 naira and pay us later. So that, that was, um, that was the, the reason. And then finally, you know, when we started adding other products like savings, you know, transactions, funds transfer, and we had our wallets, etc. Paylater didn't reflect all our services. It, it was still this kind of loan product, but we were doing so much more. So Carbon for us was a more encompassing name. You know, Carbon is everywhere. We want to be everywhere for our clients. So that's that's why we chose that Do you name. think Carbon name is going to change again in another two years? I hope not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it, won't, it will not change. <laughs> okay, we'll find out. So what has been the, the biggest challenge so far with the, with the company? You know, I think one, I think the economy is, mm. is, Nigeria will is, test yourself. is always challenging. Um, but I think also people is, is, a, is a problem. I, I think that, you know, it's been getting, it's getting more competitive to source for talent. So, you know, when we started, it was something new, it was new. So we didn't have a lot of talent in country to do certain things we wanted to do, like data science. Um, you know, fortunately now that's getting better. There, there are more people available. However, there's more global competition for Nigerian talent, which is a good thing for individuals. There's, you know, the fact that, you know, you can work in Nigeria and you can live in Nigeria, but you can work for a U.S. company or a German company. So I'm happy for the professionals. Now from a Nigerian company that earns in local currency, you know how difficult that is. We're competing with you know, European companies for, our, for, for Nigerian talent. So that's probably been the biggest challenge we've had as a company. And I think that's similar to lots of companies in Nigeria. But hasn't that been a recent development? Because I mean, software developers started getting remote jobs maybe like a year or two years ago. Mm. Um, and it's still there. Right now, it's when digital marketers and product designers are realizing that, okay, so we can earn in dollars yeah. too, and they're trying to do it. But before now, before the last two years, say the first four years, first three years of the company, when you didn't have to compete with global pay, was people still the, the main challenge? So when we decided to switch to pay later in 20, so we raised money in 2015, and then we decided, and you have to remember that, you know, we weren't a digital business. We didn't start off being thinking we're going to be digital. If we did, you know, Ingrid and I have finance backgrounds. We probably would have got a technical co-founder. So we, we hired a local firm to help us develop pay later. And that didn't go very well. In fact, we kicked them out. Then our team got poached. Our tech team just got literally poached by, by, one of, by one of the most popular startups now in Nigeria. 
and um, we had to use Andela. We had, to, and so it was just you know. So even then, in 2015, you know, we we started pay later with with nothing. You know, we it was a struggle. So so even then, it was it was very difficult because if you were technical, there were very few people. There was Paystack had just started. Was just about to start. Floodwave or what was Pay with Capture had started. Um, so it it, it it still was very very challenging getting talent right. as well and also the banks would, would, would coach so, so that was also very difficult for us so I think talent has always as been there been has problem. always been there interesting so when you google carbon is when I did the first thing I saw is that carbon hits 240 million dollars in processing how does that feel and would you say that it's your biggest win yet if no what is so no, look, it, it feels great. I think the team have done amazingly well um, to to actually generate all those all those um, transactions. I think our biggest I think our biggest win has probably been you know getting our microfinance bank license. So we are now a digital bank. Um, I think that that is going to propel us into a different category going forward. So you know we we want to be. Again, it, it's sort of fulfilling this, fulfilling the plan we had from the beginning to be everywhere to our customers. So now, you know, what we want is, you know, I want your account piece, for instance. <laughs> you know, I want to make sure next time I see you, I'll be like, what, you know, who are you banking with? You know, it's got to be carbon. Um, so I think that's been that's been very key for us. Okay. Um, so my next question is, a lot of startups have come and have gone. Um, some of the biggest startups we have now, the P-Stack, Flutter, like you mentioned, they're just reaching at like four, five years, six mm. years. But you've been there for nine years. What has, what's your secret? What do you think you guys have done so well that has been able to keep you for almost a decade in this ecosystem? It was an interesting question because people might see it differently. Like, so you've been there for 10 years, you haven't blown. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it really is how, how, you, how you see it. I, I think we're... Ingozi and I have a very long-term view, and you know, so we, for instance, when we raised money in 2015, this was before like the tech points and tech cabals were now doing these massive, you know, press releases or articles about people that raised, you know, pre-seed, Series A. So we, you know, people we just tend to get forgotten, um, and, and that's fine because you know, as I said, we were there for the long term. We are, we want to be sustainable. You know, so a lot of startups focus on just growth by, by all costs because that's what investors think they want. Um, we want to make sure that we can sustain our business. We, we will not be dependent on having to raise um, from investors all the time because we need, otherwise you know, we, can't, we can't employ people. Um, but I, I, think it's, I think it's also because we want to stay close to our customers and give our customers what they want. Um, that's why we've been able to fortunately be here for, for a long time. For this long. Yeah. That's amazing. So there's Carbon Disrupt Fund, the $100,000 fund. And when I was reading an article about it, I think on TechCrunch, it said um, you guys are more focused on giving out um, funding to startups that are not fintech because fintech is saturated and they're getting lots of funds. Um, so can you tell us a bit about the startup um, Carbon Disrupt Fund? So the idea was to you know, give almost like seed or angel uh, money, about $10,000 to to startups that could leverage on Carbon's, you know, infrastructure or its customers. And so it was, you know, it was our ability to help startups accelerate their growth by just piggybacking off our infrastructure. You know, the challenge we had, so that was the idea. 
Um, the reality was, you know, we had lots of companies come in and we kept on telling them, you know, there's no negotiation. It's $10,000 for a certain, exactly. So, um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we get it, we get it. So we'll go through the process, we'll go through the screening. Um, and then when we finalized on a few people, then it was, can we discuss this? Can we look at this? You know, I raised with this. And, and, and then we said, look, you know, we're not, we're not an equity fund, you know, because we're running carbon. Now, if you, there's so many angel and VC funds that their job is to screen and, and you know, and look, look at your company and give you a bespoke deal. This was, if you want $10,000, you know, and, and you're ready to give up 5%, um, this is this is for you. So that that was basically what happened. Was we kept on telling people, look, we're not we're not changing the terms, and and that's simply because you know we can't we haven't got the time to you know it, you know it will be I'll start I'll be running a fund instead of actually just running carbon. So so that that was the challenge. So like how many um, startups or businesses have you invested in? So we've invested in about four, but not through Carbon Disrupt, but just um, as carbon. Okay, so I, I know that before you and Ungozi started Carbon, you were doing venture capital, mm -hmm. um, Kaizen, is yes, that how it's pronounced? Kaizen, yeah. Kaizen Venture Fund. So I was wondering, is Carbon Disrupt Fund like another way to reenact what the venture capital firm is like? No, but you know Carbon is actually from Kaizen. So the goal for Kaizen was to be uh, a distressed fund, but also to set up new businesses. So Cafe Neo was one, it was a new business. And Carbon was a new business, or One Credit was a, was a new business. And what we realized was that, um, and we'd invested in you know fiber optic in Kenya. We invested in their coffee washing stations in Rwanda, organic juice in, in in Ghana. We realized that the most like Carbon was the best bet, you know, because we were literally every time we'd invest in a company by default, it was probably distressed or doing or doing badly, or it was a startup. So. That's not a that's not an easy situation, you know. You're, so basically, you're always struggling from the get go. Um, but we just said, I think carbon is probably our best bet. So we decided to stick with carbon and then just you know forget everything else. And how is it like, you know, being a co-founder with your brother? Because I mean, most of the co-founders that we know, they're friends, ex-colleagues, classmates. Mm. But this is your blood brother. So even if you guys fight in your office, you still have to go back home. And I mean, we spent what 20, 30 years fighting. So so we we all fought out. I mean. So that used to be the biggest question for investors. You know, we'll, we'll go, we'll go and pitch, and we're expecting the investors to give us some technical questions. And they're like, what's it like working with each other? And, um, and I think it's great. I, I think um, trust is such a, you know, it's so precious. So imagine working with somebody that you completely trust. And you completely and know. And you completely know. And, you know, there were some funny times during the Kaizen days where, you know, I was in Ghana or I was in Congo looking at deals. Ngozi is in Nigeria, and we'll get headhunters headhunting us because our titles were directors, so people didn't think we were co-founders, we were just directors. So we get headhunted by the same private equity fund saying, hey, I'm interested, I see your, um, you have the right profile, you would like to interview for this job. And we'll both laugh because, you know, they didn't know that, hey, we were, we were actually co-founders. But that's, a real, that, that's real because there were times where things weren't great, um, and then you have, you know, your own personal challenges. You're married. You have family, etc. And the company's not doing well. You know, what do you do? You know, so at least with both of us, we could have honest conversations about the situation. Whereas sometimes, you know, there are times where 
you know, I was in another country and people will be like, you know, why don't you come and work with us? And why don't you have, you know, start this opportunity? But I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because my co-founder is my brother and I trust him and he, you know, so, so the, oh, these, these so are the sweet. things. Yeah. <laughs> so you get your, your CEO and Ngozi is MD, right? There are not a lot of startups also have CEO MDs, like CEO, COO, CFO, all of yeah. that stuff. And MD and CEO from the outside looks almost like very similar roles. Mm. So I'm wondering, like, how do you guys balance? Like, what, what is what's he responsible for in the company? And what are you responsible for? I mean, we're, we're co-founders. I mean, so I think as a regulated entity, C CBN does not recognize, you know, um, co-CEOs, etc. Mm -hmm. So we split up responsibilities. So in terms of in carbon, Ingozi is in charge of finance, risk, uh, data science, as in those verticals report to him. And um, with me, it's product, marketing, you know, tech, legal. Right, so you guys would have actually gone with co-CEOs yeah. if it was something. Yeah. I, I, I thought as much mm. also. Interesting. So I'm sure you've had this question probably all your life, mm. right? Mm. But what does it feel like being the son of Pascal Dozé and just like, oh, so you're the, you're the baby of the house? <laughs> <laughs> Even though it sounds weird because, you know, I wouldn't say you're really old, but I also sounded weirder. Mm. But how, how did it feel like, especially when you were starting and you're starting a finance business and he had founded Danone Bank? Mm. And you're obviously not competitors, but I'm sure there would have been a lot of pressure, right? It's not just like you are his son anymore, but you're starting your own company in the same country. Yeah. What was it like navigating that? Look, I think it's, first of all, it's a privilege to be, you know, my dad's son. I think he's a phenomenal, um, phenomenal guy. Um, and I think that, yeah, it was, it was challenging in the sense that when we first started, we, we were still, I think every startup always has, has to chase so many things. So we were direct to consumer. So we were lending, would lend to you. But then, you know, the banks would talk about, oh, you know, you guys have this algorithm where you can, you can help us, you know, decide on who's a better borrower. So maybe you can lend with, you know, lend to our, to our own customers. Let's work together. So we would always spend time trying to work with banks. But then there was always that, uh, but, hmm, why isn't Diamond Bank you working with you guys? <laughs> you know, is it because it's crap or you're a spy? And so, we, and, and so you'd actually get through that. At, at one point, I think maybe we're naive. We'd just go in, you know, very optimistic. And then there's always that, no. Yeah. But I think there was always that suspicion. It's either you're a spy um, or, you, or maybe it's so bad that even Diamond wouldn't do it. <laughs> And then, of course, Diamond wouldn't do it either, so which is also very frustrating. It's almost damned if you do, damned if you don't. Interesting. What three people have made the most impact in your life? Um, actually, so I'd say two of my bosses. My first boss, Tom Barry. Um, my second boss, Thierry Tano. Um, he used to, he was the head of IFC Africa. We had an argument the first time I the first time I met him for an interview, he practically rescinded my offer. Um, and made me do a test and but he was he's a great he's a great mentor because um, Thierry was you know when we joined IFC, so this was around 2004, and IFC was setting up like a big South Africa office. And Thierry was like the, the I think deputy director at the time. Right. So he made sure, so, so they had made me an offer, for instance, but I hadn't gone through the same test as the people in DC. So I literally walked into this meeting, and I had about seven meetings, seven interviews already. 
So I walk in to see him thinking, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got my own offer. He said, no, I'm taking away from you. And if you, if you, um, if you don't pass the test, then you the, off, the offer. And he was like, and you know, it, and I was so, I was so upset. And, but he was trying to tell me, well, look, if you get it, you know, it'd be good for you. Maybe you'll get a, you'll get into a good MBA school. Like, like uh, he, made, he mentioned one in South Africa. And I was just like, I don't want to go there. Like, I said, where do you want to go? I said, I don't know, Harvard. So I went there. I'm like, okay, so I really do not like this guy. Um, passed the test, um, liked, you know, got in. And then we discovered that we were getting paid less than two of us. So two of us got hired at the same time. And we got paid less than our counterparts in, in DC, like significantly less. And I remember, I remember having dinner with Thierry and he had a coach. And it was my colleague Linda and I, and Terry and his coach Mel. And for two hours, we were bombarding him with, like, it's not fair. And he increased our salary. You know, this amazing guy. So, Terry, and then of course, um, Ingozi, I think, you know, Ingozi is um, my best friend, my partner, I trust him. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, when I was unemployed for a year, literally, Ingozi was practically funding my lifestyle um, in, in the UK. He was working at the time. Um, so no, it, it was, it, those, those are the three people I think that are. What's the age difference it. between you and Ngazi? Four. Oh, so that's quite a bit. I thought maybe it was just one or two years. No, no, four. Interesting. Don't, don't let the height fool you. <laughs> right. Mm. So um, you may, when I asked you the question about your biggest challenge at Carbon, you said it was people. Mm. And I assume that, I mean, just learning over time, kind of people to hire, learning that it's difficult to hire, keeping your people. Right now, after going through this experience and where you are right now, would you say you have a hiring philosophy? Or rather, what kind of people do you look to hire so that you mm. can actually retain them and keep yeah. them instead of them just getting poached? Yeah, so I mean, you know, even through Kaizen, there, there are some people that were amazing in our team. And we, we boil it down to a few characteristics and we, we call it primes. You know, they were, they're passionate, they're resourceful, they're very intellectual, um, they're mavericks. You know, there's something about them where they, they find solutions where you just think, you know, wow, how did they, how did they um, find this? Um, you know, they execute as well. They just get stuff done and they're data-driven. And so those are the, that's, that's basically the ideal um, people that, that we look for. So, and over the years, we've had people that have you know, shown, if not all of those traits, but most of them. So one of the things we, ha we ask for in interviews, like, what are, your, what are you bad at? And people always get stumped by that, like, what do you mean, what am I bad at? I'm like, no, what are you bad at? So most people will tell us, you know, I think we're all coached to think about, to turn our weaknesses to a strength. So it's like, oh, I'm really, I'm really bad at delegating because I just want to get, get it done. I'm like, no, 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 I want to know what you're really bad at. And the reason why we do that, because we believe in teamwork. So if you're really bad at something, there's somebody who's really good at it. So we, so there are things you're really good at and we're like, okay, peace, that is what you're good at. So let's pair you up with somebody who is, you know, weaker what you're really good at, but stronger what you're bad at. And, it, you know, and, and that's how we, we, we like to work. Not, we don't believe that, you know, just because you're weak in certain things, you're, you know, you're, you're not good in other areas. Exactly. So what are you bad at? I'm bad at, um, I'm getting better, but I'm bad at conflict. Mm. Um, I'm bad at, um, I'm bad at being direct. 
mm. sometimes like when it's like you know, sugar coat things yeah well no well, not even that i just shut down you mm. know <laughs> if i can't look at you in the eye then it's over um so so that's the yeah, conflict but I, it's something i'm actually working on yeah and that's it's, i assume that's also where ngozi kind of also compliments you in yes, these areas yes yes so it's interesting because we People always think of me being the gruff one because I'm I can be surly and non you know you know I I, I can be quiet whereas in God is very very like bubbly and extrovert. See, all this you did four years at Kaizen, nine years now at Carbon. That's about thirteen years of entrepreneurship experience. What has been the three biggest business lessons that you've learned so far? Um, you've got to be true to yourself. In terms of when, you, when you're working with when you're with investors, investors will tell you what they'll tell you something and they will act in a different way. Um, so you know, we had investors who tell us, "Why are you trying to expand into other countries? Um, stick to Nigeria. Nigeria is big. It's massive. You know, just focus, focus." And then we'd get confused. But then you see what the investors are doing. They're investing in your competitors who are <laughs> investing in other countries. And I'm like, so what happened there? Oh, well, you know, they got this, they can, they have their systems, that, you know, that are so well, well thought out and they can diversify. And I'm like, but we can do the same thing. So, so I think it's, it's important that, you know, you stick to what you think you're good at and just focus, you just um, go with it and, and try to ignore investors. It, it's hard, but I think you have to ignore investors. Um, they'll come around. Um, and, you know, finally, I think you have to empower good people. Mm. I think that's um, that's um, that allows you to actually do more when you empower empower good people. Awesome. And so there's some people who are going to be watching, and they're going to wonder, this carbon. What exactly is carbon? So in one minute, convince me and the people here that don't have or people that are watching that do not have a carbon account yet, why they need to get on carbon. Yeah, so, so Carbon is a digital bank, and we're a bank that can actually um, do a, several things for you that I think a lot of digital banks and banks don't do for their customers. We can actually give you loans. Uh, when, you, when you're in your time of needs, we give, you the, um, we give you an amazing savings rate. We don't charge for bill payments, and our transfers are, are free. So I, I think in terms of value for money, I think Carbon is, should be your best bet. Amazing. Guess you guys will let us know if you actually create a carbon account if you don't have one by the time you went to this particular video. Awesome. So last question before I do like a little lightning round. Um, for first time entrepreneurs, because tech is like the in thing right now. Mm. Everybody wants to go into tech. Everybody wants to raise money, right? So for first time founders who are maybe still dating and about to like roll out the business, especially as a tech startup, what would be your one advice to them? first-time tech founders? So, I'm not tech, right? So I think the advice would be, even if you have a non-technical background, I think you can still be successful in a tech field. You just have to have the interest and you have to know your limitations and find people that you can work with. So I think that's also something that, yeah, um, that people always figure out. Like, I'm, not, I'm not technical, therefore I can't do this. But I, I think that, um, so people, I think, focus too much on the technology and not on you know, solving the customer's problem. Mm. Customers don't really care about the technology. They just mm. care about you know, how did you solve my problem. Yeah. And you know, it's one of the things we always battle with in, in internally where 
we have a product and people are like, well, we need more engineering. I'm like, no, but the customer doesn't really care. If you're giving the customer a cheap loan or if you're giving them a service where they, don't, they didn't have to um, pay extra for it, they're really happy. They don't really care um, to, to some extent how it's delivered as long as it gets to them. So I think that's really important that entrepreneurs should not see any limitations um, about their background. You know, if they're not if they're non-technical, find a technical partner. Um, explain explain the the process, um, explain the product, and find somebody to work with work with in your team. Amazing. What's your favorite city in the world? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh yeah. That's a very 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 tough one. Um, okay, top three. Top three. Wow, that's much <laughs> better. That's much better. Um, Singapore. Okay. Um, Nairobi. Mm. And Lagos. <laughs> nice one. Okay. Top best food, favorite food. Fried plantain. Favorite color. Black. If you eat, if you're eating cereal, would you do milk before the cereal or cereal before the milk? Milk after the cereal. I know. That's wrong aside, guys. So we have to end this video now because I, I don't get it. Like, typically, you put the milk first because the milk that would determine the amount of cereal that you actually put into place, not the other way around. Oh, why? Why it's so weird. Why like, would you do that? Weird. You know what? Let's end the video because yeah. I don't want us. I don't want to get offended because he might be my mentor in the few years. But thank you so much, EJK, for having this talk with me. I learned a lot, right? And I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that the people viewing also appreciate it. So, guys, if you did learn something for this video, don't just comment on this video. Actually, go on um, Twitter or Instagram. Use the hashtag FoundersConnect. Tag ChijoK on Twitter. Tag Pisitimi on Twitter. Let us actually know that you watched this video and actually tell us what you think about the video. And if you have any questions, ask him. Who knows? You know, he might actually answer you. <laughs> but do you have any last words before I close? Get a couple account. Ah! You. you must sell his markets. <laughs> Alright guys, I'm going to put the carbon link on the description. So if you don't have it actually, just click on the description below for you to get your carbon account. Peace out guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast to the end. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I hope that you have been inspired or motivated to get better in your careers, in your businesses, in your life. I hope this, you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you subscribe to the videos on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect and you find the playlist and then subscribe to the channel. Also, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Leave a rating also so more people can find it and also talk about the episode that you listen to. Hashtag Founders Connect across social media. Hey, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.